Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, today as we continue on in the series, we're going to look at the area of conflict in, in family life. And you can really apply this beyond just your family uh, because we have conflict beyond just family. Uh, conflict is normal. So if you're in conflict, uh, it's, it's normal. But at the same time, normal people hate conflict, right? We don't enjoy being in conflict. Oftentimes when I'm in the middle of conflict, I begin to think, I'm, I'm in this hole, I'm in this cave, how can I quickly get out of this hole that I'm in relationally with this person? I want to get out as fast but, as possible, but it just feels like there's no way to climb out of the hole that sometimes we find ourselves in relationally. I want to get back to that movie I was watching. I want to get back to the plans for my weekend. Or, or I just, I would rather, if I'm honest, I'd rather go pull weeds in the yard than to be in conflict with somebody. I mean, I'd rather do those chores that I've been putting off than to be in conflict. Now, pursuing peace is painful because you have to work through difficulty. But you have to learn this. We have to learn this in life because it's so common. We don't always see eye to eye on things. We, we don't always agree on things. We, our personalities in, in relationships and family life and across the board, is just, it's different. And so we typically need motivation if we're going to pursue peace. We need the right motivation in order to keep aiming for clear relationships. Motivation answers the question, like, why bother? Why, why should I? And so today what I want to do is I want to focus on the motivation piece because with the right motivation, you can do nearly anything in life. And so God gives us the motivation that if we truly understand these ideas we're going to look at this morning, we can always come back to these ideas and pursuing peace begins to make sense in light of these things. So I want to set the stage with the idea of debt. Do you know what it feels like to be in financial debt? You don't need to raise your hand. Okay, some of you, you're just like, hey, <laughs> I'm there. Hey, I'll raise my hand with you, okay? Uh, when you're in debt... How do you like that feeling? It's not a good feeling. I mean, you're desperate. It feels like you're in relational conflict and you want to get out of that hole. When you're in financial debt, you just want to crawl out of that hole as well. You, you feel like, I'll never get out of this. It's just going to take so long. My first debt was uh, a truck loan. I, was a, I managed to not have any debt until my sophomore year in college. I had a paid-off Toyota pickup truck, ran great. It was in decent shape. I I saved for it in high school and bought it in high school, and it was, it was working great. But I was driving around my campus, and I noticed a lot larger trucks. And I'm like, ooh, man, those are nice. And I got to drive a truck, the larger truck one time, and I was just like, oh, i got to have something like that. So one day I drove to Corona and just decided to buy a truck. 1997 Chevy Burgundy pickup truck. And I felt like, man, this is, this is great, you know. I'm up a little higher. That helps when you're short like me. You know, it's just it's a little higher than my little truck that I had before. And on the way home from the dealership, a rock kicks up from a semi and 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 breaks. It doesn't break the windshield, but it it puts you know a nice little split in the windshield as a reminder. It's not new anymore. So then it's like, ah, oh, doesn't that? But I got to pay for this thing, and I'm a sophomore, and I, I'm scraping together different jobs on campus. I went to Cal Baptist, and it was like. Trying to, trying to make this work, and I, I borrowed the money from the Southern Baptist Credit Union. But just because I was a Baptist didn't matter to them. I, they still wanted their payment every single month. You know, they weren't, like, just going to forgive the debt. 
But up until that point, I, I was free from debt. But then once I signed on that line and said, yeah, it's, I'm going to purchase this. I agree to pay this back. I became a slave to that credit union who loaned me all that money. It's like $17,995, you know, kind to bring it under the 18000 mark for me. You know, in 1999, or in 1997, that was. Then in 1999, I got married. I carried that, that loan with me, so I married my wife. And, hey, guess what we're attaching to the, you're going to, you're in this with me, right? You know. <laughs> well, so in 1999, I get married. And on our honeymoon, I had my new bride, and we're in Lake Tahoe for our honeymoon. And we're walking through this mall, and there's a jewelry shop. And I see this, uh, well, I think my wife saw this black pearl necklace. And uh, she tried it on. The lady's like, well, that's nice. And I'm like, you're darn right, that's nice. That's really nice. And look at the price tag, $800. We could do that. I think my wife had more sense. And so she's like, well, we should pray about this. We should think about this, walk away. Okay, we'll do that. So we leave. We don't buy this thing. But I'm like, I really want to do something special for her on her honeymoon. As we're leaving, we pass a, a timeshare uh, salesman. <laughs> in the mall. And he says, Hey, you guys here in town for a few? Yeah, we are. You want to go on a dinner cruise? Yeah, we'd love to. What are, you know? And so you, you listen to this sales presentation about vacations and we'll give you this dinner cruise. I'm like, Oh, dinner cruise, dancing dinner. Not much of a dancer, but you know, let's, let's do this. So we go to the timeshare presentation and, and they, do you want a vacation for the rest of your life? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, Cause I mean, this is like my first real vacation. It felt like out on my own and, and uh, you can do that with this timeshare. And it's, you know, and, and it's 20000 No, it's 15000 For you guys, today only, they drop it to $8,000. Like, $8,000. You can, and it's, it's only 150 a month for like the next 40 years or something, you know. <laughs> no, it was 10 years, I think, 150 a month. We could afford that. So hook, line, and sinker, you know. I just chomped on that thing and immediately walked away. We're like, man, that's great. What did we just do? I, I walked away from $800 on a black pearl necklace and $8,000. So those early years of marriage, we nearly threw everything extra at, our, at that debt. I mean, everything. My, all of my wife's paycheck was signed over to pay off these debts. And there were others you know, along the way. Uh, not, not too many others. We began to learn the lesson. But I, I imagine many of you understand this. When you're in debt, it's got this choking, squeezing, tightening effect on you. And 8 out of 10 Americans, in fact, are in debt. 8 out of 10. 80%, according to Dave Ramsey, 80% are in debt. Now look at this. Total of American debt, if you average everything out, it's $137,000 of debt. Wow. Now that breaks down this way. Credit cards, 16,800 in credit cards, 29,500 in auto loans. I understood that one. Student loans, fifty thousand six hundred. I understood that one. Mortgage, one hundred eighty-two. I mean, the average for Americans, one hundred thirty, eighty percent. How many of us are in debt in the room, on any level? Some of you are like, "Nah, my parents did that for me." You know, <laughs> they're in debt. <laughs> well, now that we're all stressed out, say thanks. Thanks for reminding me. When you realize you're in debt, you just you want to get out of it. Now, when you realize that you're in a spiritual debt, 
and that you need to be forgiven by God. When God shows you that that you're that you're in debt spiritually, it's far worse than financial debt. When you understand that, that you owe a spiritual debt to God that you can't repay on your own, this puts you in God's in a place where you need God's mercy in a very real way. The first time I, I you know, realized that I stood guilty before God, before a holy God, I squirmed when I heard the message of, of faith in Jesus Christ. And I really processed it. I squirmed and wrestled. But when I learned that I was a sinner and that I was going my own way in life, I, I was uncomfortable with that. I didn't want to admit my need and my sin before God. But God has this way of bringing real deep conviction to our heart and we start wrestling, and he, he has this way to bring that home to us personally. But no amount of, of good works is enough to pay off the spiritual debt that we owe God. No amount of good works. And, and when I was finally willing to admit my sin and that I was really bankrupt before God and couldn't pay it back, I needed his forgiveness, the good news is that I learned about God's grace and his mercy and that he was offering that. God freed me from that sin debt. And actually, he can do the same for you. God's grace to us is where we find the motivation to have peace and to pursue peace with other people. This is very important. God's grace to you is where we find the motivation to, to seek peace and pursue it with others. That's how we get this motivation piece. We, we learn and we recognize that we were in a deep spiritual debt, which is really bad news. But then we discover the good news. And this is the good news, that we were, or we can be, forgiven our debts. Now, if you want, you can follow along with this uh, listening guide. It's in your program. We, we can be forgiven of our spiritual debt. If you come to know Jesus Christ personally, if you've already done that, what that means is you have already been forgiven a massive sin debt. A massive debt of sin, and that impacts how you view the sin of other people. And so Jesus raises this issue on multiple occasions. Here's one of them. I want you to think about conflict in my relationships is tied to the conflict that I had with God before really yielding my life to him. If you've never yielded your life to him, there's a connection there with, with this. So let's look at this passage. This is from a parable in Matthew chapter 18. It says, then, Jesus, and then Peter came to Jesus and asked Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? So this, this verse here that we're looking at, Peter says, you know, how forgiving do I really need to be? And he asked the question, up to seven times? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. I mean, who would keep track like that? One, it's two, it's three. It's just too many to keep track of. And so, and, and this is, let, let's keep reading the passage because it gets interesting here as far as we're concerned in our relationships. Therefore, he says, here's the parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now that king of the kingdom is, represents God. God is the king. We're his servants and we need to settle accounts with the king. As he, the king, began, to, began the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. A talent is a measure of money. So the servants owed the king a lot of money. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. 
There's a debt to be owed. Someone had to pay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He's making this promise. But the servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt. It didn't need to be paid back. He just said, I I forgive you the debt. And he let the man go. He let the servant go. Now look what happens. But when that servant went out, he's a free man. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now this is another measure of money. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. And he's demanding, pay back what you owe me. You owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. And this is like exactly what this other guy did. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how... Jesus says, my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So if you're a Christ follower and this has happened for you, and this is what's happened in the spiritual realm, Jesus has paid a high debt for you. You can't, you can't ever lose sight of that. This impacts your family life. This impacts all of your relationships. Your forgiveness of others is tied to how God has forgiven you. Do you, do you understand the debt that has been paid? And we think about that debt and we realize there's absolutely no way to climb out of our sin debt through our own good works. No amount of good can address the spiritual despair that we're in because of our spiritual debt. And so what happened is Jesus, he paid a high price. He stepped in. He paid a high price. The price to pay was an exchange. His life for yours. He made the payment through his life. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Paul describes this to one church, Colossians 2, and then we'll eventually look at Colossians 3. Colossians 2.13 reads, When you were dead in your sins. That's describing the spiritual debt. It's impossible to crawl out of being spiritually dead. When you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, basically when you were stuck obeying your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations. Basically, Jesus, through his forgiveness, through his act of forgiveness, he wiped the slate clean of your debt, your sin debt. He wiped it clean. That's what stood against us, and it says it stood opposed to us. It says he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This could no longer hold us as a prisoner, as a slave to our sin. Jesus broke that bondage that that was there. If you're in Christ, you've experienced that. But this came, and you can't forget this, this came at such a high price. Jesus is God in the flesh. He, He lived among us, walked among us. He took the role of a servant. On many occasions, he did the lowly things that no one else wanted to do. And here's God in the flesh doing it, who never once sinned. And yet he offers to pay off your debt spiritually with his own blood. Now, can you imagine, if you think about your financial debts, 
If your creditors called you and announced that someone paid off your, your, your loan. Imagine someone called you today and said, hey, someone paid off your, your, your mortgage. What? Your car loans. Your student debt. Some of you, you're not even thinking about that yet, huh? I know when I was a student, I didn't think about it. In some cases, that would take an extremely wealthy relative to pay off your debt. Some of you owe a lot of money. So when it comes to our spiritual debt, only God himself had the power to pay your spiritual debt. This had to come through an act of sacrifice. And so Jesus willingly and humbly, he took beatings, he took mockings, he was tortured and he was crucified. And he did that out of love, all because he wanted you to be debt-free. He wanted to have a relationship with you both now and on into eternity. And so this issue of what Christ has done is the backdrop of how we work through conflict in earthly relationships. This is the backdrop that we can't ever forget. And so Paul, in most of his letters, Paul authored many, God used him to author many of the, the New Testament books. But many of these are letters written to churches. And in many of these letters, before Paul gets down to the practical, like, Christian living passages, which we're about to look at one of those, he always starts with the motivation. Before he gives the the implications, he starts with the motivation or theology of what God has done. The whole basis of relationships is that you have to remember this, that what God has done. So we, we often need to rehearse and remember God's forgiveness. We have to call this to mind constantly. When we're in conflict, when we're wrestling with other people, getting along with other people, we have to remember the debt we owed God. Look at Colossians, the very next chapter. After he talks about how we were dead and made alive through Christ, chapter 3 gets very practical. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people made holy, or holy, you've been made holy, you weren't holy, but you were made holy, and dearly loved Clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. These are five attitudes that have relational impact. Clothe yourselves with these things because you're God's chosen people who were made holy. You were spiritually bankrupt, but you were made holy. And then he goes in verse 13, bear, he says, bear with each other and forgive Whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Remember this backdrop. Now, has anyone at any time in their life ever been in a play? Okay. I've only been in a, I, maybe two plays in my lifetime, and, and it was a long time ago. But I remember rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing because you've got to get the line just right. You've got to get the line right, and it just gotta, it's got to come at the right time. So you're always rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing and that's christ followers we have to rehearse often what jesus has done and we remember it we need to remember it so that we'll pursue peace when conflict erupts because we so quickly forget it when we get in tension with another person we forget about the backdrop of god forgave us in christ we just think man they owe me right now they owe me but out of gratitude we need to keep this issue of god's forgiveness in mind as we handle friction and conflict that comes up in family life or in other circles now all of this is why jesus makes a high 
and makes pe- he makes peace with others a, a major priority for his followers. He says this is a critical issue. Now, in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this. This is, this is uh, regarding relationships. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and he's talking about temple worship. This was a common thing for them and for the Jews in those days. If you're at the, at the temple about to worship God and you brought him a gift, if you're offering your gift at the altar, you're going to present this gift, and you're there and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Don't offer it yet. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. You're there at the altar before the God who has forgiven all of your sin and cleared all of your debt. When you realize you're, you have an offense, you're harboring bitterness, you, you're, you're stuck relationally at some, with someone, and you're there to worship God, he says, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. This was a scene that would be familiar for them. I think it's familiar for us as well. We come to church to worship God, and we're singing. Maybe we're giving. Maybe we're serving. But while we're here, we we see someone, and then we we realize, man, I'm kind of bothered at them. Or or we're sitting here, we're singing, worshiping, and we realize there's a rift in family life. Jesus is saying, look, deal with the rift first, and then come and offer your gift. Pursuing peace is such a high priority for Christ's followers that if we remember uh a conflict where to deal with it. Then we come back, we start singing. Sometimes I'll be sitting here about to preach and God will bring to my mind a, a, a problem in a relationship. And there's this wrestling match. Will I go and deal with it? And the big question for all of us is, when it comes to me, what, what am I going to do with it? When we're doing religious things like this, like worshiping, like singing, like serving, it's very easy for those things to just become routine And we can do these religious things with a disconnected heart. And Jesus wants his followers to check their hearts as they worship. And if something's not right with friends or with family, then we make it right. And so here's the core message of this. You can't be right with God and wrong with people. That's what that parable that we began with essentially is saying. And that's what these verses are highlighting. If I've wronged or offended someone, I need to admit it. I need to ask God's forgiveness. I need to go humble myself and get that thing straightened out. Do all that I can. As a Christ follower, Jesus, his death on the cross, made peace with me and God. Since he did that, then I need to make peace with others. Now, I don't enjoy conflict. Neither do you. Normal people don't enjoy conflict. But if you decide to pursue peace, then then conflict can morph from something that is just dreaded in our lives to something that actually is productive in our lives and begins to sort of uh, free up. Anxiety, stress, to be able to sleep at night knowing I'm clear with people. That, that's a powerful thing for us when we experience that. But you and I, whenever conflict erupts, we have a choice to make. So let's wrap up by looking at some real practical ways that we can pursue peace when conflict erupts. The first one is this. Don't react. Pray instead. Don't react. Ask God to help you respond in the most constructive way. Typically, we, we either want to fight or we want to flight. You know, we want to run from it or we want to charge into it, guns blazing. You know, don't, don't just go into your cave or try to forget about it. Instead, talk to God. Pray. A guy after our first service, he came up to me and he said, you know, every time, he said, that's so true. 
that if I'll pray first, God will usually show me what they're trying to communicate, and I'm struggling to understand it. But when I sit and pray, it's sort of like the Lord, he just he, he clarifies what they're, they're trying to say. Sometimes it's just we're not seeing each other eye to eye. We're not understanding each other. Or sometimes God just shows me that I just need to humble myself, he said. And so this is so critical. Talk to God first. God wants to help us in the moment if we'll ask him for strength, for wisdom, for perspective. Next, give a soft answer. Give a soft answer. This comes from Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In conflict, it's very difficult to not react with a harsh word or a sarcastic word. But soft answers, they absorb the anger and the wrath. And it just helps things to calm down. You know that we can absorb that. Sometimes we could just be silent and absorb what's coming at us in order to let things settle down. But the moment you react with a harsh, sarcastic, or angry response, the situation just kind of goes through the roof and can escalate very quickly. So instead, try try just giving a soft answer. Also, one, one last thing, talk it out. At the right time and with the right words. It's counterproductive to avoid conflict and just wait until the storm passes. No, we need to bring things out into the light so we can actually deal with them and we can make progress in our relationships. Oftentimes there's two extremes. We either want a family life with no conflict or there's a family life with nothing but conflict. Um, I would say, you know, aiming for something in the middle where we understand conflict, not all conflict. I mean, there's, there's boundaries. There's a way to have healthy conflict and to work through things. If you came from a family where you never saw any conflict, then, then you might think, oh, that's the way healthy relationships work. And so at the first sign of conflict, you might think, we've got a real problem. No, if you, if you don't move into it in the right way, then you will have a problem. But conflict is normal. But I'll be honest, in the middle of any friction and conflict and relationship storm, most of the time, the last thing I want to do is reconcile. Again, this is where we need God's help. And we start rehearsing and remembering what God has done. The backdrop of God's forgiveness of us in Christ Jesus is where we need to go. A real helpful verse that reminds us of this as well about talking it out is Romans 12, verse 18. Paul writes this, If it is possible, as far, or, yeah, as, far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's aim for peace. Sometimes you try and you can't. Sometimes you do everything you can on your end and you just have to leave it in God's hands. But you can sleep at night knowing you've done all you can do to to pursue peace. Now, forgiveness and trust are are not the same thing. And so when hurt occurs, offense occurs, trust is is often uh, damaged and it takes time to rebuild trust. But you can move quickly towards forgiveness as you remember what God has forgiven in, in your spiritual debt. Trust building isn't easy, it's not quick, but even that can be done with God's help. And so, uh, as I mentioned last week, if you're, if you're stuck and you're just, you need help navigating some conflict in your life, start with your group leader. If you're plugged into a, a life group, that's our hope and our intention is that these types of things would be places, uh, an environment of a group would be a place where you could begin to talk through what God's doing in your life. So talk with your group leader. If you're not plugged into a group, we, you know, our staff would be out at the welcome table. We'd love to say hi if you need someone to talk uh, we can we can visit after service, but we can't control how others will respond to us. But we can pursue peace, 
And so I want to encourage you in this. As I wrap up, maybe consider taking a next step. A couple of specific ones is memorizing Colossians 3.13, which starts with bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive. It's forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's a great verse on this issue of, of relationships. And then the next one, pursue peace by, by seeking to make right a broken relationship today. Maybe take the first step today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, all of us in this room recognize it's, it's, there are no perfect families. We all struggle in, in different ways. God, you've been so patient with us as you've, as you've been sort of knocking on the door of our heart, as you've been calling to us, and, and as you've been working in our lives you've been so patient God your kindness draws us to change draws us to repentance and Lord we 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 did not deserve to know you personally to have our sin paid for through Jesus so we just say thank you Lord and out of gratitude we, we ask that you help us to live lives that pursue peace that though we struggle with conflict and friction Lord that we would not Remain stuck in, in, in our relationships. Lord, you, you would propel us to move forward even today, Lord. Please, Lord, lead us. Help us. Uh, maybe there's fear in this area. I pray that you would give power and strength and clarity today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.